Next-Gen Startups – Tomorrow's Hottest Ventures In this fifth episode, I had the pleasure of interviewing Benedict von Tungen, CEO and founder of London-based Hanome. Benedict previously founded a couple of other startups, amongst which Speechmatics. Sanome is building a human digital twin and uses AI to build combination biomarker diagnostics to detect the earliest signs of disease. Sanome already proved that its model could reduce by two-thirds the number of required patients in a clinical trial. The company also recently signed a partnership with a UK care home provider to identify an early warning system. Hi, Benedict. Hey, how's it going? Good, and you? Very good. Super excited to be here today, and thank you for the opportunity. Yeah, thank you for joining us on this podcast. Uh, it's very exciting. Um, so first, uh, maybe you can tell us uh, what your vision is uh, with Sanomi, and what are you trying to accomplish with Sanomi? Sure. And, and it's super, super exciting because healthcare is fundamentally changing. And the next decade is all about the change in healthcare. So what we're trying to build at Sanome is a human digital twin, effectively a virtual representation of your health that is continuously monitored to detect small health changes, effectively acting like a Uh, an early warning system. The reason we're building it is because, yeah, as mentioned, healthcare is changing and we need to move to this future where we detect diseases or health changes as early as possible so that a healthcare system can really move from this reactive system towards a proactive system. Uh, and and the, the great thing at the moment is the health data points are there, but they're massively messy. <laughs> They come from all sorts of different sources, and many of them are kind of meaningless because if you look at them in isolation, like counting your steps, um, it doesn't really tell us much about your health. So, so what we're doing at Sanom is taking together all of these different types of health data points that exist, finding those that are meaningful that, uh, for the detection of early disease, and then implementing this early warning system so we can then suddenly see, hey, Benedict, something's changed with your health. Please go and see a doctor. And, and that's just kind of that super, super exciting because getting out of bed every single morning and knowing that you're working on the future of healthcare is pretty cool. Yeah, for sure. Ah, that's also the reason why I invited you. <laughs> um, Thank and you. Yeah. Um, maybe if we go back, can you maybe tell us a little bit uh, about the story behind Sanomi? Why did you really decide you know, to execute on your vision? Healthcare has always been a passion of mine, uh, all the way from, from, from university days where I did biological sciences, uh, but at the same time, also really passionate about uh, software and, and deep tech and having built a bunch of companies in that space before. And really what we're seeing now is, is kind of that merging of those two industries. Um, and some people refer to it as tech bio. Um, I just simply refer to it as kind of a no-brainer. Um, using software tools and, and some of the, the deep tech tools to really like break this, this complexity that sits in healthcare. And so I started working on this human digital concept uh, a, a few years ago, and it's it kind of got to happen <laughs> um, because all the ingredients are there. And I'd be pretty frustrated if it's, if it's someone else. 
And you know, from a purely personal perspective, uh, and I think this resonates with probably everyone, is no one wants to be sick. Um, and many of us are constantly worried that we may get sick, um, might be our parents, might be ourselves. And so we, we, we constantly worry. And wouldn't it be cool to know that you have almost like a guardian angel, this human digital twin, that sits there and that monitors your health, that you can trust and rely to, for it to say, hey, something's changed. Let's just check this out and make sure that nothing's wrong with you. That would be really, really cool. Yeah. Uh, and that set the, for me, kind of that, that foundation a year and a half, two years ago to really sit down and say, cool, with this knowledge of software that I have, this knowledge of the bi biological sciences I have, how can I actually build something that kind of addresses this need of an early warning system? Maybe you can tell us a little bit more, you know, about all the accomplishments so far, because uh, I bet there are uh, a few accomplishments, uh, you know, knowing that you raised two million uh, pounds so far, there must be a couple of accomplishments. Yeah, um, I think the, 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 the one that kind of sticks out the most was the, the first set of um, validation results of our, um, of our platform. And um, maybe just a couple steps back with what we were trying to achieve uh, and the problem we were trying to solve or are trying to solve. Um, the, the question always is, if I can collect all of these different types of health data points, so for example, your step count, your heart rate, um, an image analysis, a sound analysis, a blood test, the question always becomes out of this massive universe of different types of biomarkers, how do I find a subset that is actually meaningful. Um, and, and, and that's quite a relevant problem because in, in, in diagnostics development, I always want to find a subset of biomarkers that gives me that signal. And that's where a large part of R&D is focused on and a large part of COSSIT is kind of finding that biomarker that, that gives, me a, gives me a signal. And the first set of validation results we had were across a number of different data sets and, and disease indications where we took a large number of biomarkers and then let it run through the system and see, can we find a combination biomarker that gives us a signal? And we got the first set of results just before Christmas. That was a great Christmas present where um, we showed across three different data sets, um, one of them in asthma, one of them in sepsis, and one of them in cancer, that we can identify a subset of combination biomarkers, which was awesome. <laughs> the second thing that we then showed was can we reduce the number of people that would theoretically be required in a clinical trial? Because um, that's where a large part of cost sits. And the answer was a resounding yes. Uh, and it was a lot better than we initially anticipated. So we, we showed that we could get to the same level of um, uh, statistical significance um, with roughly a third of the people. Uh, and, and that time point for me was really a big inflection point in the company in showing that that technological approach that we chose to solve this problem sets the building block for that human digital twin actually works. Impressive. So you're going to um, continue to focus on clinical trials? Um, yes, but clinical trials are, kind of, are, are a critical component in building out this human digital twin. Yeah. Because it's all about the translation of a health data point into something that is clinically actionable. I, that a healthcare professional knows that they can act on and change, let's say, the treatment or actually prescribe the treatment. Um, the second thing that why the trials are really important for us is also to build up that credibility uh, in showing that 
um, the claims that we ultimately make will actually stack up. So everything we do is geared up ultimately to first identify a set of combination biomarkers, and then two is to validate the, that in a clinical trial to then have that as a registered diagnostic on market that then can be used by the healthcare system. So it has to be in that sequence. And where we're really focused on now is having that technical validation is working with a number of different partners to identify um, combination biomarkers that can be used as a diagnostic or early warning system before then taking that into clinical trials. Great. And uh, can you maybe give us some names regarding partners? <laughs> I, I wish I could do that, but um, uh, they're all under confidential wraps at the moment. I mean, there's one really, really exciting one um, that I can talk about, which is a, a UK-based um, care home um, provider. Yep. Uh, and they're mm -hmm. providing a really cool digitization tools for, for care homes. And what we're working on with them is, uh, out of all the data that gets collected in a care home setting, can we identify an early warning system? So a set of biomarkers that act as an early warning system to detect, for example, seizures, um, infections, cardiac arrests, uh, et cetera. And we've just started on that project with them. And I'm super, super excited about uh, the data we're looking at. And I'm really excited about the phase two of the business um, of, of, of that project, which we're starting in September, is where we're gonna do test runs in care homes where we're gonna test a wide variety of biomarkers that we believe could act as an early warning system for, for, for these conditions. And how, how, many, and how many biomarkers are you going to track? Um, for, for us, maybe for clarification, we refer to as a biomarker pretty much any bit of data that could act as a health, a bit of information on health. So it's more than just a, a, a blood test or um, a microbiome swab. It is um, things like movement and behavior and weight and, and fluid and, uh, and all those kind of things. Um, the system that we've built can very easily handle 50 to 100 biomarkers at any one point in time and look at it longitudinally to find a subset. We obviously would love to expand that, but there's kind of an interesting threshold that happens because once you start collecting too many data points, um, it becomes unwieldy from a practical point of view. So one of the things that the machine learning model evaluates against is also uh, user engagement. How easy is it to, to administer or use this, this biomarker? Um, and kind of give you the two extreme ends of the spectrum, there are the really simple ones, which is maybe your wearable, which is just a, a bracelet or a watch that you have around your arm that tracks yep. a bunch of stuff, but typically has relatively low resolution in terms of the data quality. And then the other extreme end is your CT scanner in hospital, which is super expensive, super inconvenient because you've actually got to travel there and have an appointment, but the data it generates is super, super um, powerful and everything in between. So one of the things the machine learning model does when it selects combination biomarkers, it looks at accuracy, it looks at cost, it looks at clinical utility, and it looks at um, user engagement. How likely is it for someone, or how easy is it for someone to use? Um, but in this particular study with the, the care homes, we'll probably be looking at around about 50, um, 50 data points that we're tracking, and we're pretty com comfortable that we can find a subset. Uh, and this is kind of the other cool 
cool thing that the model does. And sorry, I'm getting really excited about this part. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, it's super exciting. It's, it, it actually flips the model um, completely on its head where it would start suggesting which set of biomarkers we should be collecting from which set of people. So if you then fast forward that to the vision um, of, of Sanom is, um, it will start predicting what set of tests or biomarkers you should do through the course of your life. So that's really like precision medicine 2.0. That's awesome. And now let's look at the challenges uh, your company is facing. Can you maybe tell us more about that? Yeah. Um, I, mean, I think the biggest challenge uh, we're facing right now, and I think that's true for, for a lot of startups uh, at the moment, is the change in the uh, funding environment. Um, I think compared to even three, three months ago, I think there's a lot of a, a massive slowdown um, and, and the, the, the terms of the investment are changing. It's not necessarily a bad thing. Um, I think it's, it's the golden time where you could literally just fundraise um, crazy amounts for very little due diligence. I think they're over. So yeah, for us, definitely one challenge right now is, is really hitting that next set of inflection points and then going out and do that fundraise. Um, we're in a very lucky position that we have a solid 12, 13 months of, of cash runway. So that gives us some time. Um, and yeah, the second thing I'm, I'm quite some, I'm, I, I think about it a lot. I, I think healthcare in generally is a really good position for, for funding and investment because it's, we always need healthcare. Healthcare is not a fad that's going to go away. It's actually uh, and it's got an even stronger need, what we see now after COVID, that, that it needs to change and shift. So I think good companies are still going to be able to, to fundraise. And I think I'm, I'm super excited about the next set of inflection points for us and uh, then the next set of uh, investors that we get to work with. Great. Um, and any other um, things that you're uh, currently looking for besides maybe funding? So the, the main thing for us right now is, is developing those uh, commercial partnerships where we can really yeah. prove out yeah. the, 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 the products or the tools that we've built. Um, for anyone listening, yeah, I'd love to work with organizations that are um, centered around longitudinal uh, patient monitoring. So that's in the care home setting, especially, or chronic disease patient groups or acute care in hospitals where you, you may face two challenges. One of them is how do I combine different sets of tests into an easy to use uh, application that allows me to do my monitoring a lot better? And two is developing an early warning system for, for your patient group where can we detect a change in health state a, a, a lot sooner? Um, I'm also interested in working with organizations that are focused on decentralized trials, whereas it's not my core focus, um, there's some pretty cool stuff that we can do there. Maybe to uh, finish this uh, interview, if you had to give one piece of advice in 30 seconds to someone looking to start a company, what would it be? Three words. Just do it. I love it. <laughs> I love it. Also, three words. <laughs> uh, no, no, but you're right. It's uh, yeah. I also think like the, yeah, like you. I mean, it's um, it's the most terrifying, chaotic, stressful, intimidating thing you can do, but it is also the most exhilarating, rewarding, satisfying, uh, intense thing you can do. Um, 
there is nothing stopping you. There are so many tools to help you. There are so many people willing to help. Um, failure is not bad. Failure is actually cool. Um, and it will make success as a later stage way more rewarding. So just do it. Thank you so much, Benedict. It was really great having you on the, on the podcast. Same. Awesome. It's been really cool uh, speaking to you. And, and thank you for the questions. And super excited about where, where this journey goes. And that anyone that wants to come and work on a human digital twin, please ping me a message.